0: The Soccer Gambling Podcast is presented by Winbet. Bet $50 at Winbet and get $200 in free bets. Bet big, win bigger with Winbet. Download the Winbet app now or visit wynnbet.com and start winning today. We're also brought to you by Sleeper. You already play fantasy on Sleeper, but now you can win cold, hard cash with their over-under game. Just head to sleeper.com slash SGP on your phone to join the SGPN group, and Sleeper will automatically match your first deposit up to $100. That's sleeper.com slash SGP. And of course, Don't forget to download the SGPN app, your home for all of our free picks and all of our free podcasts. You are listening to your Champions League season wrap up here on the Soccer Gambling Podcast. You can follow the Soccer Gambling Podcast on Twitter at SGP Soccer. That's at SGP Soccer. Also, follow the Twitter account for at BetMUFC. That's at BetMUFC. At BetMUFC. The BetMUFC podcast is going to be on a three week break now, but it will return after the international break. It will be the first podcast back for the new season followed by Scamessa Italia and the EPL show. Also follow the Twitter account for LockBetting.com. That's at LockBetting.com, at LockBetting.com. So LockBetting.com without the dot, LockBetting.com. That is my premium pay service that has now delivered 108 months in a row of transparent track profit if you want to be a part of the service, sign up for the month of June. 108 months in a row means we have achieved the landmark of not having a single losing month in sports betting for nine years. Have we had a losing day? Yes, of course. Have we had losing weeks? Yes, we've had plenty, but we've never had a single losing month. That means at the end of every single month, For 108 months, which is nine years, we have come away with a tracked, transparent profit at the end of the month. We go again here in June, looking for month number 109 on our journey to month number 120, which will represent 10 years without a single losing month. That is the new goal. But we need month number 109 first. And there is still plenty of action in the month of June. We have three rounds of Nations League soccer in Europe. So three rounds of international football. We have the end of the NBA season. We have the NFL. We have the MLB. We have tons of combat sport action. We have the final week of the French Open. And then, of course, we have grass court season season with Wimbledon at the end of that coming at the end of the month. So, so much still to gamble on in the month of June as we hunt down month number 109 of profit. If you want to do your research and you should do your research before you sign up for the service, Look at the pin tweet at the Lock Betting Twitter account, which is at lockbetting.com. You will see the PNL for the month of April. You will shortly see that replaced by the month of May, which is month number one hundred and eight. Look at those two PNLs. Go through. Look at the spreadsheets. Look at the type of bets we do. Look at the type of stakes we put out. Look at the members' comments at the bottom, verifying the fact. That we have delivered that profit and if you want to see even more spreadsheets go down to the bottom of the p l you'll see little tags they'll say things like football tennis NBA NHL etc one of them says p; l by clicking that you will gain access for free to all of the other lockbetting.com pL's as I said. Have a look at the type of bets that we do. have a look at the stakes have a look at the members' comments verifying the fact we genuinely have delivered one hundred and eight months in a row of transparent trap profit once you 've done that get involved for the month of June as we do hunt down month number one hundred and nine before we move on with breaking down the champions League from this season beginning with the Champions League final. Let me just let you know there is still plenty of content to come here on the Soccer Gambling Podcast for the month of June. You are listening to your Champions League recap. I will be dropping a Scamessa Italia recap as well. There will also be an EPL show recap from the EPL season, but that will be after... We've covered all the international games because these international podcasts fall under the EPL show banner. So, once all of the international football is completed, there will be a final wrap up edition for the EPL season. We'll do one more episode of Bet MUFC to see what Man United have done in the first couple of weeks of June before we come back with Bet MUFC at the start of July. And to finish things off, you will finally get the World Cup preview. That has been put off for a while because of the Champions League and the Europa League and then straight back to domestic football. The hectic schedule meant that a very important podcast would have been lost in the shuffle. So after we've had all of these international games, after we've done a Scamessa Italia wrap-up show, an EPL wrap-up show and one more episode of Bet MFC, the World Cup podcast will represent the final podcast of the 2021-22 season. And then we will have a couple of weeks off. We will return in June with an episode of Bet MUFC, which will be the first episode of the new season, the 2022-2023 season. And that will be followed up by all of your usual season previews. A Bundesliga preview, a La Liga preview, Scametta Italia, of course, and the EPL show as well. So let's move on with the Champions League. Very, very happy with the results on Saturday. Real Madrid have won the Champions League. They were a team of God. As I said that they would be, as soon as they eliminated Manchester City, I got what I could down on them to win the final. It wasn't a case of hating Liverpool, which I do. And uh, my hatred for Liverpool and a lot of the things I said about them has been proven correct with what we saw before the Champions League and the 36-minute delay. We'll talk a little bit more about that in a second, but let's focus on Real Madrid first. They showed you that age doesn't matter. Class is permanent. And the likes of Tony Cruz and Luka Modric and Karim Benzema, they all continue to deliver. Thibaut Courtois, who's never mentioned really as the best goalkeeper in the world. He's mentioned up there with a selection of goalkeepers, but people normally tend to go for Oblak or Edison or Alisson or or Emmanuel Neuer, who I think is massively overrated simply because he is the first sweeper keeper but goalkeeping is about saves and Manuel Neuer doesn't make the saves that the likes of uh, Thibault Courtois or even a David De Gea make on a weekly basis. So Real Madrid are the champions and despite the fact that Liverpool cheated and dosed up on their asthma drugs throughout the season to give them an extra bit of help at the end of the season with their running stats etc... That didn't help them get over the line. In fact, this Liverpool team played three cup finals this season and didn't score a single goal in any of them. Two of them went to extra time, which means together Liverpool played for over five and a half hours in cup finals this season and didn't score a single goal. This was a team that was lauded by the British media as being one of the best teams in the world. This was a team that was said to be better than the 2008 Manchester United team that won the Champions League and the league and even the team that won the treble in 1999. This Liverpool team was supposed to be better. This Liverpool team had more players in various combined 11s. This Liverpool team was supposed to win the quadruple. This Liverpool team did nothing but win two domestic trophies and won both of them via penalty shootouts without scoring a goal against a Chelsea team that underperformed this season. This Liverpool team were massively overrated. This Liverpool team failed when it came down to the final day of the season, where yes, they won their game, but had they scored earlier against Wolverhampton Wanderers, they would have put Manchester City under significant pressure in the later stages, which they failed to do. This is a Liverpool team that couldn't score a single goal against a Real Madrid team, a team that has been said to be too old to compete. A team that was on its way out. A team that needed to transition and bring in new players. The legs have gone of Modric. The legs have gone of Cruz You need to replace Casemiro. You need better defenders at the back. You're not going to win the Champions League with with those fullbacks, You're not going to win the Champions League with Mendy at left-back. You're not going to win with a defensive centre-back pairing of Militao and David Alaba. Liverpool are going to take you apart. Liverpool are the best attacking team in Europe. Liverpool are the best attacking front three in the world, no matter what combination they put out there. Blah, 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 blah. And after it was all said and done, once again, after losing another game, Jurgen Klopp came out and complained about the style of play of the opposition. He said that his Liverpool team deserved to win the game. He somehow saw his team as dominant, even though Real Madrid had numerous counters where they should have scored a second goal themselves. Even though Real Madrid had a goal wrongfully disallowed in one of the worst decisions I've ever seen in football, where clearly the Liverpool player touched the ball onto Karim Benzema. I, I know there's a rule there apparently that says that it needs to be deliberate. But who deliberately passes to the other team? Whenever you do that, it's always going to be accidental by definition. By by the very way that football is played, you would never deliberately pass to the opposing player. So it's a stupid rule. We've seen that being inconsistent throughout the season. We've seen a goal where, where Tyrone Mings was dispossessed by an offside player and it counted because apparently it was a second phase of play. These rules are all over the place. And you've got a big problem in football when people that play it for a living and people that manage for a living, managers don't understand the rules, that's when the rules become too complicated because how can neutrals understand or even football fans football fans and and, and I'm talking about Harkle fans, yes neutral fans, even less they won't understand what's going on if these continue to be the rules, make them black and white, make them clear, make it make sense while Real Madrid weren't 1-0 up at half time, that was the sole reason I think we didn't cash our play on the over because that would have really opened up the game in the second half but we did cash everything else including Real Madrid to lift the trophy. We were one of the rare services that made a profit from the Champions League final. And as I said, after it was all said and done, Jurgen Klopp was crying once again about the outcome. I actually have a, a little bit of the, of the interview that Jurgen Klopp did, so I'm going to play that before we move on and look at the odds for next season. <laughs> So there we have it, Jürgen Klopp talking about the the Champions League final and uh, explaining why Liverpool were unsuccessful in winning another trophy and why they only came away with two trophies. Um, He he also failed to explain, though, in that interview why they decided to, to have an open top bus parade the next day when they got back home to parade two trophies. Um, I probably would have cancelled that, but this team have no shame and they and they continue to do their, their open top bus parade despite only winning two domestic trophies. I think if Man United had done that, I would have been embarrassed as a supporter. But as I said, this club are held to a different standard by the media. Everything they do is great. Everything they do is forgivable. They were lauded as the best team in the world throughout the season. The story about the asthma drugs is essentially ignored by the mainstream media. And somehow, once again, when we had crowd troubles before the start of the Champions League, Liverpool fans were not held responsible for it. Instead, the British media tried to blame the French police. Now, let's look at a, a real-life situation here. Let's say that you are going out with a woman. And let's say that woman has a history of cheating. And she tells you the first time she cheated was because she was involved in domestic violence. The second time she cheated, the other person was cheating on her. The third time she cheated was because the person that she was with didn't contribute financially to the relationship and she was out there being the breadwinner and was looking for a way out. The fourth time, the fifth time, the sixth time, let's have a look at every single story she comes out with. Eventually, you're going to point the finger and go, what is wrong with this woman? Why does she continue to cheat on people? Can I trust her? Right, that would be a real-life logical situation. Let's bring that round to Liverpool Football Club. I can understand that any European club, any English club even, let's bring it round to English football and the English clubs who have a reputation of hooliganism can be involved in a, in a crowd trouble situation. They can, be, they can be involved with the police. There can be problems when Brits go abroad because of the reputation that they have garnered. Yeah, you can expect that, but it happens few and far between. When this team get into a European final, when this team need to go abroad, when this team are involved in anything, whenever there's a major incident, why does it coincidentally involve Liverpool Football Club? How can you absorb these people of all responsibility when their club and their supporters are continuously involved in every single incident of hooliganism that occurs. It was the Liverpool supporters who got the English team banned because they killed 39 supporters in Heisel when they lost 1-0 to Juventus. That was at a time where English football was at its absolute peak. We were dominating, dominating the European Cup, which has now become the Champions League prior to that. Just before Liverpool done that, six years in a row... English clubs had won the European Cup, be it Liverpool, be it Aston Villa, be it Nottingham Forest. They were all winning the Champions League. English football was on, the, was on top of the world. It needed a complete reboot after Heisel. People stopped coming to football matches. The money started to leave football. Because of Liverpool Football Club, English football was on its arse. And it was rejuvenated by the success that the England team had in Italia 90, which then spiralled the creation of the Premier League. And the Premier League was what saved English football from a place where Liverpool Football Club put it, off the back of Heisel, off the back of the Hillsborough disaster, where somehow 30 years after that, they were declared blameless when there are actually stories about the fact that they rushed the fences, they squashed their own supporters, they were the ones that were stealing wallets from dead bodies on the floor. But somehow, this team are always, all these supporters are always absorbed of the responsibility. The Scousers, in general, as as a group of people in England, are despised by the rest of England. This is a group of people who boo their own national anthem, who who declare that they are not a part of England, they are not English, they are scouts. or you can fucking have it, you can be Scouse, and you can be hated by me, and Man United supporters, and Everton supporters, and Man City supporters, and every other team, and every other person in the land, because you can be Scouse, because you are a breed all by yourself, a breed of people that nobody else wants to associate with, because of this type of behaviour, because of your actions, and when this type of incident happens, maybe on this one occasion, you wasn't responsible. Maybe it was the French police, like the media are telling us. But the fact that you've been involved in every incident, every major incident in Europe that has involved football hooliganism, means it makes it very, very difficult for me and many other people to believe that Liverpool supporters weren't responsible. The French police have come out and said the whole incident was caused by fake tickets, well, who printed the fake tickets and why would they print the fake tickets? Because they knew, because they knew that Liverpool were sending 70,000 people across to France. France had to put out special laws to state that Liverpool supporters could not wear Liverpool football kits in specific French landmarks to avoid any incidents that would occur based on the history of Liverpool Football Club. They actually were implementing fines for people that wore Liverpool football kits in certain French destinations. They were ready. They were worried. They were concerned about the fact that an allocation of 22,000 tickets were given to Liverpool Football Club. Yet for some reason, these morons decided to come across in the numbers of 70,000 people. 70,000 people came across for a 22,000 ticket allocation with the sole intention to cause trouble, with the sole intention to be known. With the sole intention to try and get tickets on the black market to try and illegally make their way into this game. No matter what happened on the day or how it was handled by the French police, Liverpool FC and Liverpool supporters, these scow supporters were once again responsible, in my opinion, for everything that happened on Saturday, causing the 36 minute delay to the kickoff. We did not see anything from the Real Madrid supporters. There are are some Liverpool supporters that argued and showed some pictures of one or two guys jumping effects. That's normal. It's the Champions League final. You're always going to get people that try and, and sneak their way into the game, but they don't have a term for it. These scousers on Twitter, they actually call it jibbing. They call it jibbing. Don't bother trying to buy a ticket. I'm not buying a ticket, mate. I'm just going to try and jib it. Jibbing is a terminology created by Scousers and the definition of it is it to steal tickets, to steal your way, to sneak your way into a game of football. It's called jibbing and it's created and regularly done by the Scousers because this is what they do. So moving on from that, I've said what I needed to say. It's probably going to draw plenty of criticism because it doesn't fit the the media narrative that's out there at the moment where Liverpool have been absorbed of responsibility. But as I said, I'm not going to buy into that. I'm just going to um, use my common sense and look at the fact that it always seems to be Liverpool Football Club that are involved in these kinds of incidents. So let's move on. We're looking ahead to next year's Champions League. Real Madrid who just won this season's competition, are still way down the market here at 12-1. to They are behind Manchester City, who once again are the favourites. And for me, after another monumental collapse against Real Madrid, I'm starting to feel like this Manchester City team will never win the Champions League under Pep Guardiola. I almost feel like when Pep gives up and somebody else comes in who isn't lauded as this football genius that Pep is, I feel like they could probably win it immediately when he goes. I'm not saying he was to blame for what happened this season because obviously Real Madrid did that to a few teams this season with with Paris and Chelsea. But still, you have to look at this situation with Manchester City in the Champions League and you have to question, are they ever going to win this competition under Guardiola. They are the 5-2 favourites, plus 250 favourites to win it next season. Liverpool here are the second favourites at 4-1. I think that's a little bit short. I think we are seriously, or the books are seriously underestimating the loss of Sadio Mane. Liverpool play that heavy metal press up top, but the first player that they signed to implement that press from the attack was Sadio Mane. Now, they had some very poor results last season. A lot of people put that down to Virgil van Dijk, but there was also a period where Sadio Mane wasn't playing an attack and they weren't scoring goals. So I think his role is being seriously undermined. And I think it's disrespectful just to say Luis Diaz is a straight replacement for Sadio Mane and they've already replaced him before he's even come in. I don't agree with that. And I think Liverpool will be a different team next season, Paris Saint Germain are here at six to one. It's going to be interesting to see what they do now managed by Kylian Mbappe um, with Pochettino obviously shortly likely to make way and uh, a new manager to come in. But we all know from what we've read that Kylian Mbappe will be the real manager anyway. He'll be picking the team, he'll be buying the players and it'll be interesting to see if Mbappe can win the Champions League by himself next season. I think they're going to go for a different approach. I don't think we're going to see as many Galactico type players coming into PSG this season. I think they will be signing players directly directly trying to win the Champions League. I think they're going to be looking for more of a a team ethos and possibly looking for Messi and Mbappe to carry them through in those moments where they need a match winner. But the problem is, Messi hasn't had a good first season, you're relying too much on Kylian Mbappe and what you're getting from other players isn't going to hold up their end of the bargain, simply because don't have enough competitive football on a week-to-week basis. This is always going to be the problem with PSG. It's a monumental shock to your system when you have such easy games in France on a week-to-week basis and suddenly you need to come here and and deliver at a high level in the Champions League. We saw PSG massively underperform in the group stages, so much so that they went from being the clear favourites to win the Champions League to being the fourth or fifth favourites by the time they kicked the ball against Real Madrid. And they were actually very, very good for I would say the whole first leg and for the first half of the second leg as well it was just a short collapse that meant that they were out of the Champions League and again you almost tie them together with Manchester City. Are you going to see this team win the Champions League? Are they going to do it? Are they going to be able to get over the line? Because both teams have the squad and the the individual 11 players on the pitch at the time to win these games and to do it. But it doesn't look like City or PSG are going to get it done. So outside of this top three, bearing in mind that City and PSG always manage the choke and Liverpool are going to look a little bit different next year, um, I feel there is significant value lower down. I'm not sure it necessarily lies with Bayern Munich. They seem to be a team who I think will struggle to replace Robert Lewandowski next season. I think that is a huge, huge loss. That's a ton of goals out of your team. Obviously, they want to move forward without him. They want to probably bring in some younger players. They do need to replace a player who's in his mid-30s at some point as your main striker. But it's the same situation that you see at Manchester United. Yes, we can't continue to build the team around Cristiano Ronaldo. But who do you get in to score 25-30 goals? And I think that's going to be an issue that Bayern Munich are going to struggle to address you have Chelsea at 10 to 1 they won the Champions League the season before without Lukaku then they signed Lukaku to score the goals to make sure that they challenge for the Champions League again and won the Premier League they did neither that signing didn't work out it'll be interesting to see if he stays or goes or if he has a better second season with Chelsea if he does 10 to 1 could look pretty big but for me I don't see them winning it either we get down to Real Madrid at 12-1 to 1, and seeing as we found pros and cons and significant cons for all the team above, Real Madrid again offers some great value here at 12-1 to 1 to win the Champions League once again. They're going to keep Carlo Ancelotti. I think there's still another season in the legs of the players that people have written off. And without signing Kylian Mbappe, this team had two to 300 million to burn. It's burning a hole in their pocket. They could essentially go out and get anybody that they want to get. And... Um, that could make a big difference to them and they could retain the Champions League next season. I think one of the players that it's worth mentioning that they can't get aside from Kylian Mbappe is Erling Haaland. Now, Erling Haaland has come to Manchester City to help Manchester City win the Champions League. I think that signing has been, because they're already winning the Premier League, and I think that signing has been solely made to deliver a goal in the key moments from your number nine player, something that City haven't had this season because they've been playing with a false nine unless they play Gabriel, who's Jesus, who for me isn't in the same sentence as Erling Haaland. Um, that will be a, a difference maker. But for, But for me, it's not so much a case of they haven't been able to score... Key goals and key moments. It's just been a case of choking away leads from the positions that you've been in over the years, and that's a, that's a different issue altogether. So, whereas obviously the signing of Haaland has been made to make sure that you do get over the line, it's been defensive lapses and, and lapses in concentrations and, and, and bad formations, for example, in the in the Champions League final from last year, where your genius manager outthought himself, outthunk himself and lost that game against Chelsea a game which they should have comfortably won on paper because they were a the far better team having the far better season so that was a big big blow for Manchester City and I just don't think that signing Erling Haaland and adding those goals to your team is essentially going to make you non-chokers when it comes down to the um, to the final moments and this Real Madrid team are the absolute opposite they know how to win they know how to see out a game we've got players in this team who have won five Champions League medals and at 12-1 to I'm not going to write them off from winning Number six below them you have their La Liga rivals Barcelona they're going to be doing some serious business in the January uh, sorry in the summer window but obviously they're still in a situation where they need to sell to buy so are they necessarily going to get stronger yes if they sign Robert Lewandowski and bring in those goals they will but no if they lose Frankie de Jong who's their best midfield player to Manchester United so interesting to see what Barcelona actually do and if their business allows them to challenge for La Liga I don't think they're going to make any kind of impact in the Champions League so I'll be avoiding them despite being priced at 16 to 1 Juventus here they're another interesting one as well they're at 25 to 1 their main focus is going to be getting back into the Serie our title race something they didn't do next uh, this season so Despite being a big price, I would write them off here as having no value at 25-1. to Atletico Madrid are an interesting one. At a very, very poor season last season, They they came nowhere near retaining their league title. But here, coming into this competition, they are a team who are very, very difficult to play against. I just think at this point, the defensive way that Simeone plays has been found out. I think they're a team who could do well in the Champions League if they get an easy route. But if they end up coming up against a team like a a Manchester City, a Liverpool or a Bayern Munich, they will get taken apart. Inter Milan, I think their main focus again is going to be on Serie A. I don't think they have the finances to strengthen. And without that, I don't think they're going to compete for the Champions League. And then we have Tottenham at 33 to 1. They could be interesting because I don't put anything past Antonio Conte. It may sound ridiculous, but I would not dissuade anybody from having $10 or $20 on Tottenham at 33 to 1. Antonio Conte has shown what he can do this season. And I think the most significant takeaway here from, from Tottenham's price is the fact that had they played two legs against Manchester City, had their league games been two legs they would have beaten Manchester City 4-2 because they beat Manchester City twice in the league. Had they had two legs against Liverpool, they would have drawn 3-3 and they were dominant in periods of both of those games, particularly at home. So they have come through the last EPL season unbeaten against Liverpool and Manchester City, who are the two favourites to win the Champions League this season. So they've shown they know how to play against them. So they're a really big price here at 33-1. So that may stun some people, but I think the significant value lies in Tottenham here at 33 to 1 and on Real Madrid to retain their trophy at the price of 12 to 1 because this is going to be a Real Madrid team that has all the players that already won the Champions League. Plus, they are going to invest two to 300 million on top of that squad, making them a decent investment here at this price. Should Manchester City win the Champions League on paper? Yes. Should Erling Haaland make a difference? Yes. Do they have the perfect squad and the perfect 11 to win it next season? And should they be the favourites? Yes. But there is just something. There's just something about this Manchester City team under Pep Guardiola. It happens too many times. Like Liverpool are involved too much in the hooliganism, and you stop trusting their point of view as to what happened. I have reached a point where I may have lost trust in this Manchester City team, despite the fact that everything tells me that you should be backing them to win this tournament. They have all of the right players. They have the squad. They have the 11. They have the manager. They have the striker, goalkeeper, defender. They have everything here. Everything points to Manchester City. The fact is, they haven't been able to get it done in numerous circumstances where they should have won it. And that makes me very, very hesitant to get stung by betting on Manchester City once again. But we'll see it's going to be a fascinating season. This was a fascinating season once again, but the story of the season was Real Madrid. They came back and made miracle comebacks on three different occasions. Karim Benzema produced 15 goals in the competition this season with just seven expected goals. That was miraculous. Miraculous enough, I think, for us to say at this point, There is nobody that should come anywhere close to winning the Ballon d'Or. Give it to Benzema now, just like Thierry Henry said. I think he's put up a Champions League campaign by himself that will definitely stand the test of time. That's it for me and your Champions League wrap-up show. Good luck with all of your bets as always, guys, and thanks for listening.